Welcome to Criminal Gines, a comedic true crime watch-along podcast where we watch Criminal Minds, all 15 seasons, and discuss the true crime that can be linked, however indirectly, to the episode. We're your hosts, Stacey Johnson and Veronica Shea. And this week, we're joined by Joseph Schles in discussing Season 2, Episode 6, The Boogeyman. Oh, shit. Let me pull up my nose. Fuck me. Oh, God. Oh, my God, you guys. So you're gonna oh, my God. Oh, my God. Kill me in on the last six minutes of this show. Yeah. Stace, I will because Stace and then I want you to be it. so surprised during Great. our recap. So we're here in episode 28 to talk about season two episode. I didn't write it down. Six? Season two. Six. Episode six. Yes. Good job, everyone. (laughs) The Boogeyman. All right. Well, so Stace, you want to tell us what happened in the episode? Okay. So this is a to-be-continued episode where our recap ends with Elle shooting William Lee. Elle, I know, right? Drama. She gets pulled into Hotch's office where he tells her that her investigation into shooting him has concluded and the agency believed her baloney story that she did it in self-defense. He does tell her, though, that she needs a psyche valve and she doesn't want to, saying she's fine. He says, listen here, lady, you are going. The end. She's annoyed and she leaves the office. So... Now we're at a park with some kids telling a story of a boy getting chased in the woods and getting eaten by an old man who lives in a creepy house on a hill to some little kids. All the while, we see a little boy getting chased in the woods. Does anybody recognize the little girl? Hmm? The little blonde girl? Boom. Who is it? Pop quiz, Joseph. I don't want to say the I feel like it's a fanning girl. It is is a fanning girl. Is it Dakota or Elle? It's Elle. L. Yeah, I was going to say L. L Penny, but I was like, oh my God, I don't want to mix them up. Like, what okay. if it's I panicked too, but, um. Find yeah, out the no, best I, child actor in the show, clearly. I was kind of like, oh, these other kid actors God. are terrible. I was like, no wonder I she know. made it. I have no idea who these boys and are. And they're not. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> she was. She's always been so... F- I've always She's really great. appreciated the Fanning's craft anyway. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, exactly. So now we're back at the BAU where the little running boy is now dead and was beaten to death. <laughs> Nick, I don't know why I left. Sorry. I just didn't do a really good transition. So here we are. Well, he's a bad actor, so we know that he's really not. He's okay. Yeah, yeah so. exactly. Exactly. His name is Nicholas, and he's the second boy in the last two months. The first boy's name was Robbie. Both were murdered by the same offender who is hunting children. Hotch is then informed that Elle never showed up for her psyche val and isn't returning calls. After a little conference, Gideon tells Hotch to go find Elle while he goes to Texas with the case. Hotch is parked outside of Elle's place and is calling her. She is leaving her building with some clothes in a little baggie and sees his call. And then she trashes her cell phone. I was like, like damn, expendable income. I know, right? for real. I was like, why are you getting rid of your cell phone? Like, <laughs> just so leave it at home. Well, yeah, we just like, leave it at home. She throws her phone away and she drives away in her car and Hotch follows. The team is on the plane working to put together a profile when they get a call that the unsub has killed again. Only this time, it was a little girl. The team has split up once they got into Texas, where Gideon goes to the little boy's death place, and Reed and Morgan head to the little girl's place of death. They also discuss their fears, to which Derek states he is afraid of nothing. Reed is afraid of the dark. He's a badass. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Reed himself is afraid of the dark, and JJ is afraid of Dun 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 the woods. <laughs> I have Which so one? much fun with these recaps. I'm bad with names, by the way. Which one is the one who said he's not afraid of anything? Uh Shamar, Shamar Moore. Moore. Oh, okay, that's what I thought. Okay. Tall, dark, and handsome. Yes. Got it. Yeah. So <laughs> Gideon states that the victim knew his killer and they trusted him enough to head into the deep woods, but the blunt force trauma was an act of rage. Over at the little girl's site, the coroner who is examining the body states that the unsub beat the victim post-mortem. What's an unsub? Sorry. Unsub is... Is an unknown subject. Correct. It's ultimately the perpetrator and they try to get away from saying he or so they say the unsub. So progressive. The unknown subject. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, So he states that... She lost I her paused. Place. I lost my spot. Sorry. There it is. Okay, back to it. No, I like it when people interrupt me. Okay, it good. It keeps me alive. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. 
Um, so the unsub's getting more bold. He's spending more time with the victims post-death. Then we kind of shift over to a town hall where the profile is being given a small little profile. They state that this is someone that they will know that who has lived in this small-ass town for like their entire life and that Nicholas's mom, the one of the little boys who just died, pops up and she's like, hi, did you guys ever find this little red hat that he was wearing? And they say, no, they have not. There's also now, too, a mandatory curfew of 5 p.m. put into place. The kids also of the local school are getting taught about the buddy system by Derek and JJ and not to go anywhere alone. We see the same little boys at the beginning old man Finnegan's house then who eats little kids he says and they're egging on one of the little boys to go a doorbell ditch the creepy little house. Reluctantly the little boy heads on up to the front door of this gorgeous brick home by the way but it's really, it's nice. really old and <laughs> yeah it's gorgeous but it's definitely like, clearly been like <laughs> yeah for real. I'll go ring the doorbell. Hey! Yeah. Hey! You're old you're gonna die soon? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Who's the house going to yeah. <laughs> right exactly so at this point then hotch calls gideon to let him know that he is following l and that she is on the run the team is addressing the police saying that the offender will most likely strike again and that they should be looking for someone who is physically fit and shy he may be small and well Oh, uh, he may be small his, himself and that even though they are saying it is a he that they shouldn't rule out that it also could be a woman. Again, so progressive. Unsub. So Question. <laughs> yes. Have you already gone over or are you going to go over the Bundy part so that we can intro our buddy Bundy? I I'm forgot. Gonna... No, I did not do that. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I'm curious to hear about it. In their profile, they mentioned that <laughs> Mm -hmm. The specific kids, because the boys, because they like to act out revenge, maybe like for what happened in their childhood, or they like pick a specific victim. And they mentioned Bundy and his ex-girlfriend, which yes. led to his victimology because he was reliving killing her, even though he never killed her. That was like his focus of rage, which brings us to our buddy Bundy. Beep, beep. So a bunch of kids are going missing and turning up dead, which means we've got a serial killer on our hands, folks. So the gang starts discussing why kids, what is the rhyme or reason for this and in which the killer is trying to get revenge on a specific person and so picks victims that remind them of that person so they can exact that revenge over and over and over on the person that they feel they've been wronged by. So Ted Bundy went after very specific victims until the end of his reign of terror. His usual typical victim was a young college-age woman with long brown hair parted down the middle. He attacked women with this specific physical look because they resembled his ex-girlfriend Diane Edwards. Was Diane Edwards? Diane Edwards was Ted Bundy's ex-girlfriend in college. They dated for about a year or so and then broke up because she said he was not masculine enough, not macho enough, did not assert himself enough. So what did Ted Bundy do? He decided to change his major to philosophy, become a lawyer, started campaigning with politicians, became this impressive personality, and that got the attention of Diane Edwards again, which was Ted Bundy's plan the whole time. You see, he just wanted revenge on Diane. Diane was like, wow, you've changed so much. Like, oh my goodness. They started dating again, even talked about marriage, and then he broke it off with her like he just started dating her again so he could fuck her over the way he felt so fucked over so then they broke up again and shortly after that is when he started his killing spree and the rest is some really fucked up history <laughs> we'll say it once we'll say it again fuck ted bundy ta-da right. I don't know. I don't know if this is the right place to say it, but like, it do you think I'm watching this and you know, they're all sitting in the plane, right? Discussing, which by the way, I'm like, do, what is their budget that they all get to fly private? 
Hi-ya. to go to this case. I was like, yeah, in what precinct? I mean, like, anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking, like, when they're sitting there, like, discussing the case and being like, hmm, who could it be? And they're like, well, you know, Bundy, blah, 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 blah. And this is what he did. And a lot of times serial killers pick a victim based on... And I, I'm like, okay, everybody in this plane right now is an expert on this. So do you think they're all like, yeah, we know, Bill. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you do this every time. We all know about Ted Bundy. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Completely. Like, yes, yeah. Bill, we know. <laughs> yeah. Would you stop, stop mansplaining Bundy to us, all right? We get it. Give him some of airplane peanuts <laughs> they have like a bundy jar and they're like put a five in fifth time this week <laughs> like exactly stop talking about bundy yeah <laughs> yeah anyway. oh my gosh amazing yeah oh man so at this point we see a very pregnant woman come in to the station with a little boy saying that her son Matthew never came home. The search team is initiated and the search is on. Gideon grills the guilty looking little boy she has with her and he gets him to spill the beans. I wrote that in all caps so I knew to put some <laughs> emphasis there. <laughs> the little boy tells him about the dare that they did to at the creepy house of getting the other kid who's missing to doorbell ditch, right? Was Danny that little boy even place. there? Yeah, he was, but he like ran away pretty quickly. Oh, okay. And then the team is flabbergasted. They are just now hearing about this old town legend where a man hunts little kids and eats them and whatnot. Like the town sheriff was just like, oh yeah, there's this like old town legend of like this old man who like hunts kids yeah. and eats them. And then but we didn't think like, that was important to this case. Yeah. yeah. To yeah. be fair, in his defense, it probably isn't this guy because they're finding these little kids. If it was this guy, they'd be eaten. Right. Accurate. This That's guy insane. sounds industrious. He sounds he's like not he's not going to leave his lunch leg on the field. Yeah, no, exactly. correct. He's going to use all of the parts. Yeah, so like, go Kevin, and he eats the kids. Leave that guy alone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is where we now head over to a graveyard. We're at a gravestone, and Elle is there apologizing to her father. Hotch appears and asks her what's going on, to which she states where she needed the team the most in her safe little home. They weren't there for her. He then I asks her, her, I know, right? She's the I worst. Know, I'm gonna, which, you know what? I was laughing a little bit because... Because right at the beginning of that scene, he says something and she's like, you've been following me. And it's like, yeah, duh. Duh. Yeah. He's he here. answer your damn calls. Of course he's following you. <laughs> yeah, anyway. exactly. And can I rewind on this subject for a second? Absolutely. This is obviously fictional because in real life, we know it's always a, a male cop who's going out and killing people. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, must be some man writing this show, having the one woman cop go out and be the one who's murdering. <laughs> yeah. anyway, they were like, how the hell do we get this chick off of our fucking show? Let's have her kill somebody. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Anyway. So Hotch is like, blah, blah, blah. Like, you did this. Are you feeling guilty? He says that he doesn't have any evidence here that she did it without, like, free will, blah, blah, blah. So what are they going to do about it, right? So then we're back into Texas with a team of cop cars headed out to the haunted house there in the dark. They go into the home. The lights are out. Reed agrees this certainly does look like a haunted house. Inside the team is on the hunt for the little boy. There's no power to the home, and it is dark, and Reed is shaking his little boot. Gideon and Reed are investigating a shed out back where they see a dead deer. Morgan and a policeman clear the house and the missing boy is not there. They now know that he was there earlier in the day since he split. Outside, Reed and Gideon are still looking around and then they find the missing boy who is not hurt. And the little boy was just hiding and he says that he didn't want the old man to find him. Reed calls Garcia with information on the house to which she really creeps him out with all the local lore, but none of the lore was substantiated. She was able to find, however, that Mr. Finnegan's wife did in fact go missing almost 50 years ago and was never found. Reed is shaking in his little sweater vest as we hear a door in the dark creek open and Derek scares the crap out of him and 
pokes fun at him for being afraid in the dark. The team states that Finnegan is in the wind. After doing a quick search of the house, they come across some of the victim's belongings, including like the little kid's lunch bag and the girl's backpack. The team says that Finnegan is luring the victims to his house before taking them to the woods. And then these are his little trophies. Derek says that he would love to hang his head on a wall and all blah, blah, blah. So the officers are searching the grounds and they come across a bear trap that goes off and they find old man Finnegan's body dead and covered in the leaves. The (gasps) drama. Twist. I know. The coroner's... I love it. (laughs) The coroner states that the body had been out there for like a week and that he died of natural causes while most likely setting up the bear trap. He wasn't nice during this saying that karma is a bitch and that the coyotes had been gnawing on him while he was out there. And he could Well, karma is a bitch. Don't don't attack the bears. I guess. (laughs) Attack the bear die. I feel very strongly about that myself. Yeah, Leave the bears as alone. a bear, as one of the exactly. bear community, <laughs> right. I don't think we need to be attacking Joseph and his people. Thank right. you so that's, much. You're welcome. I am true. an ally. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a great ally. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, so, <laughs> because the body's been out there for that long, we just know that Finnegan couldn't have done the second two murders, for sure. We're back to square one. Reed and Derek and all them, they're kind of hanging out at the house. Reed says everyone assumed that Finnegan's wife was dead, but that she had actually left him many years before, and he discovered this by reading the old man's journal entries. He never... Did this man not have friends? Because, like, no. wouldn't there be one, like, a neighbor who was like, yeah, dude, she left with the pharmacist, and they're, like, no. <laughs> banging boots down the way. Well, no, he apparently he didn't have friends. Yeah, um, he could have been a dick. But because after he that, he turned into children. a recluse, and <laughs> the town never understood him. So... Yeah. Here we oh, are. Maybe, maybe they were mad at him for being so rich. They're like, oh, that asshole with that nice-ass oh. house. Oh, you know what? That's probably the case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So in the kitchen, the team discovers that there were a ton of meals on wheels left at the house that were being used. And they were delivered long after old man Finnegan had died. This is where he's been eating and surviving off of these things. Whatever the unsub was surviving off of this food. Oddly enough, though, he would eat everything but the cream spinach, which would be wrapped in duct tape and thrown away, which is odd, right? Yeah, but like I wouldn't eat the creamed spinach either. Like, <laughs> yeah, but would you wrap it in duct tape? I like cream well, spinach. Well, also, maybe you wouldn't eat the cream spinach, but that old man definitely would. Right. That's true. Exactly. <laughs> So, Derek asks JJ why she's afraid of the woods. She tells a story of her being a camp counselor, finding a dead body Mm. where it was stabbed, and that's why she's afraid of the woods. And Derek is like, holy crap, are you serious? And, like, this is crazy. And she's like, no, you dummy. No, that's not real. I'm just afraid of the woods. And they all have a laugh, and Derek says, payback is a bitch. Right? Garcia calls. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Everything's a bitch. Totally. (laughs) Garcia calls and lets Derek know that she's got some prints off of one of the food trays. There's two sets of prints. One of them was a child's and she's trying to find a match to it. And one of the prints was a match for the local guidance counselor, James Charles, who was addressing the town hall earlier. James Charles. Also also a famous makeup artist. (laughs) Exactly. Famous or is he infamous now? I was just going to say who's always in the middle of some controversy. I don't know. I never know where we stand on James Charles. I never know either. But oddly enough, now, don't we stand... Who's the other famous makeup artist? There's Jeffree Star. Star. Aren't we all in good terms? Yeah. No, no, I don't think so. Jeffree Star... They're both very inflammatory. Wasn't he the Free Britney? No, that was... Leave Britney alone. That was formerly Chris Colfer, who has a new name now that I don't know because she has transitioned. Yes, oh, okay. and I can't but, remember her name. But she's not a makeup artist. She's just no, a personality. She's just an influencer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think there's any controversy with her. We love her. Correct. Yeah, right. I think she's very great. I don't keep so. up, but anyway. <laughs> I clearly don't. I was All like, right. that's Jeffree Star, right? I don't know. Right. Oh, and also, I think I said Chris Colfer, who is not that name, because I think that Oh, wait, was... that's the guy from Glee. That's the guy from Glee. <laughs> we'll cut but this out. None of us know it. <laughs> 
Anything. Chris, <laughs> We're just naming gay people. <laughs> no, it's yeah. Chris something. I know it's Chris something, but yeah. should be continued. Anyway. So, the team's rushing over to the counselor's house. They see him trying to leave, and they tackle... Well, Derek tackles him. Ooh, and this yeah, very is where dramatic. It was. It was a moment. <laughs> and then, this is where they find a red hat in the guy's duffel bag. And they know that this is the same hat that Nicholas Faye's mom asked about. So, they're like, yeah. why? Because there is only one red hat in the world. This is pre-Trump, so. Yeah. So true. So it's hard to say red hats. Yeah. Yeah. So then we go to like an interrogation room. Derek is really laying it on thick and is getting nowhere and he's pulling out. I know. He's, man, it was intense. Yeah. Part of me was like, okay, dude, we get it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, he was insulting all everything. Like, he was really laying it into it. And nothing is working until he decided to um, insult his sexual prowess. (laughs) And that (laughs) struck a nerve on him. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Oh, are you a minute man? Which, by the way, I don't think it's a bad thing. But (laughs) for me, (laughs) I'm like, I don't want to get this over with. I don't have all day. I have to go grocery shopping. And there's a lot of TV to watch. I really need to go to Trader Joe's. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Anyways. But he's like, I'm not a minute man. Okay. Me thinks the lady doth protest too much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for real. So. The argument didn't even last that long. You know what I mean? (laughs) Exactly. My God. My God. We've gone off the rails. Oh my god, we have. Uh, uh, we're just getting through the recap. Okay. So uh, Garcia calls to tell him that the second set of prints at the scene was not any of the victims, and that there is another unsub out there. Dun dun dun. Yeah. Da da. JJ is also calling the school to pick up the counselor's little kid because the mom's dead and the dad's in jail so now she's got to go pick up the kid right well they find out that he never showed up for school and said his dad said that he was sick they tell Derek and he runs with this they see the team head over to the counselor's house they're searching the premises and Reed finds an EpiPen and a fridge full of dairy products that have been sealed up with duct tape remind anybody of anything (gasps) the creamed spinach I know. Gideon pops into the interrogation room and he speaks with the unsub. I love this little moment because he's like, hey, I'm going to take the nice cop approach. I'm going to offer him some coffee coffee. with milk. And then I know. Milk is always like such a good... It just makes me think of that movie Inglorious Bastards. Did you see that movie? Oh, yes. There's that whole scene about milk, remember? With Christoph Waltz in the beginning. So intense. Mm -hmm. So I feel like milk is just a good thing for screenwriters. While they're hiding under the floorboards. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So then we find out that we know that he asks him how long has he known the son was a murderer. Then we transition back over and we see some kids with the young, fabulous Elle Fanning getting off the bus. She's ditched by her buddies and we see the counselor's kid oh, by the way her buddies appear. were the asshole kids which i was like yeah, oh, yeah. don't be friends with them correct <laughs> so then we see the counselor's kid pop up and he's like hey i'll walk you home no sweat i'll and she's be like, your buddy yeah good question did we see this kid before that moment was he in other parts of the episode we only saw him once before barely, in yeah. barely in okay. the precinct and the counselor's like hey go sit out the front and don't talk to anybody okay. and that's the only time we see him so he's like hey i'm gonna offer to walk this little girl home and he's got a bat with him and he says hey i know a short cut and she's like okay the sheriff bursts in and he says that a little girl has been reported missing and the team is on the move but then we see jeffrey chasing her and being an a-hole to the little girl and he's trying to attack her and she escapes by kicking him in the leg the team heads to the bus stop yeah exactly and she's like running at this point when he throws her backpack what a dick I know. Anyway. Young love. This is where know? she should have known, right? Yeah. So I, yeah. the team comes to the conclusion that the boy is killing the kids because they have what he wants, a happy little family. And they are on the run. They're trying to find him. The team is able to find the kids because the little girl is screaming her head off, which is smart little girl. Gideon tackle mm-hmm. while well, he apprehends the little boy. And that I wrote, I wrote, it should be noted that he is an angry little ginger. 
if we didn't paint the picture for you yeah he's an angry little ginger right well and then gideon they're sitting in the back of the car and he asks hey why did you hurt those little kids and the little kid jeffrey is like because i wanted to i'm like that was it yeah yeah i mean so can't argue with that Yep. So now we're done. The team is headed back. Gideon's on the phone with Hotch asking about Elle, to which she appears into Gideon's office. She asks him to tell Gideon. She says goodbye. She's turning in her badge and gun, and she's like, hey, this is not an admission of guilt, but I'm out. I can't do this anymore. She is gone, and we are done with her. And that's the episode. Thank God she's gone. Why wouldn't you just ask for, like, a transfer to a different unit? Yeah, I know. Hey. Well, you know, uh, maybe she did. I don't really know. Who cares? She's done. Maybe she realized she's not cut out for this line of work. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I hate her. Is this I her last episode? Her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no wow. Yeah, Interesting. I wonder what the real life, what happened in real life with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Do you think she I just wasn't know. like, she no, wasn't doing she was well with viewers? Actress. So they were like, we got to get you out of yeah. here. I think so. I think Probably. the fans didn't like her. I'm going to try her to ask people who are really low. Yeah. DM her. Be like, hey, girl, what happened? Hi. What happened I, I know we've six? talked so much trash about you, but what's up? Don't listen what's to our podcast. We love you, girl. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> Justice for Elle. <laughs> Which, by the way, would probably be the most effective way to get her to listen to your podcast. Like, if you reached out, you're like, listen to our podcast. She would never. But if you're like, hey, don't listen to this. She'd be like, no, I'm curious. Like, we <laughs> super love you. Okay, bye. <laughs> Oh my god, that's stressful. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so our Morgan, though, he was very moody moody for this episode. Very moody? Very moody, don't you think? I thought he was. Yeah, he was moody. I thought it's interesting that they were, like, talking about, you know, these little kids getting murdered, and he felt very flirty to me. He was like, I'm not afraid of anything. I was like, are you flirting with her in the plane right now? What's happening? Gimme, give gimme give more. I mean, oh god, yeah. So we all got this guy. Yes. Ooh, so cute. I like this one. Mm. Got a mid laugh. Oh, Stacey's gonna. Stacey's I'm starting gonna start us off. off. I'm giving him a five. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Joseph's like, we always know what I give him. <laughs> I know. I think I said it the last time. Yeah. I'll also Do give you- him a five. Oh my god. It's a one He's, for me. No, I'm just kidding. Definitely a five always. It's a zero. Always. I can't imagine. I can't imagine giving him less, personally. He's, I like this one because he's laughing. And he's like, ha, ha, ha. Mm-hmm. Just like that. In the photo, yeah. Yeah. In the episode, he's very intense. He's very intense. And every like photo I was taking, I was like, these all look the same. They're just his like mean face. Yeah. And then I finally got him laughing at JJ's stupid story. That she like went on forever. I was like, girl, you are hamming it up. <laughs> like well i don't need that get to the end (laughs) and she's just like giving them the plot for like friday the 13th (laughs) right (laughs) very Um, perfect shamar score perfect yeah how can you not he's so i don't know i'm just looking at his teeth he's He's got really good good caps they're good he has good everything there's Mm -hmm. nothing uh, actually i want to take away points because he's flawless i'm angry (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i went from perfect to i hope he dies okay <laughs> it's fine like hey uh no he's such a cutie he's very handsome and he gets a five yeah. from me every time which you know not to be boring to people who have listened to my other podcast episode here but yeah just foreshadowing i'm always gonna give him a five yeah if joseph's on it's gonna be a five yeah well we can just skip the segment altogether no i like it i want to say it every time (laughs) okay well we know how much you love horror and true crime and all things dark and gory and scary that's not true we're very excited to horrify you oh no mary bell you know, this is tough for me because I am always going to be on the side of a woman, right? Like, I'm like, sure. I want equality. I hear about a little girl murderer and I'm kind of like, get it, girl. But also it's horrible and terrible and I shouldn't say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but also equality in the workplace. So. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Let's get those numbers up, ladies. <laughs> well, tell us about her. Okay. So Mary Bell was born May 26, 1957 in Northumberland, England, to Betty Bell, her mother, who was a well-known prostitute who traveled for work. And she would always just like leave the kids in the care of their father, who was sometimes there, sometimes not, Billy Bell. Billy. So Billy and Betty Bell. (laughs) 
This Billy is Be- wild. Billy Betty Bell. That's really hard to say. Billy Betty. Yeah. Billy and Betty Bell. Billy and Betty Bell. They should have named Mary like Beth or something. Beth Bell. Right. But well, Elizabeth this is where they Bell went wrong. Yeah, this is clearly it. So she was number two, but it's like unclear if Billy was her biological dad or not. He was definitely her stepdad. Mm. but he was a violent alcoholic, a habitual criminal. She was very much an unwanted kid. Like I think her mom probably had postpartum because when they tried to like give her to her as a baby, she was like, I don't want to see her. Like, I don't want to talk her, talk to her. I don't want to touch her. (laughs) Like get her out of here as an infant. So she ended up going home with her. And as a baby, a toddler and a young child, she kept, being involved in these like household accidents when she was alone with her mom so -hmm. everyone was like either this woman is just like the worst mother or she's purposefully trying to harm her child like this is too weird again would make her the worst mother. the worst mother So either in e- either scenario, in either scenario, she's the worst mother. She's the worst. Yeah. Um, although now people think that she might have had Munchausen by proxy, where you like uh-huh. make a member of your family sick and then you get attention that way. Yeah. Either way, not a good situation for anybody. Oh. But this poor girl, Mary, was once dropped like from a first floor window when she was a baby. Her mom like dropped her out the window. She wa- took a bunch of sleeping pills, whether by herself or her mother, like, and she had to get her stomach pumped. Did I ever tell you I jumped out of a two-story window? <laughs> no. Yes, Stacey. I did. I was four. <laughs> oh. And I jumped out of a two-story window, broke my hip, was oh. in a body cast for a while. Oh my god! I was <laughs> yeah. gonna say like, if since you were so young, it maybe be like a little bit more bouncy, you know. But no, I guess not. It wasn't. Yes. <laughs> Shattered. Yeah. Does your hip still like hurt I, to this day? Yeah, it's all kind of wonky to this Damn. day. I'm gonna send Veronica a photo of it, so of me and my body cast when I was little, so she can post it on this thing. <laughs> I was like, your hip? <laughs> you don't have to yeah. send me a picture Just of your photo hip. Of my I'm hip. sending you a photo of my hip. Just like close up. <laughs> Your hips do lie. At least her mom only dropped around the first floor. That's kind yes. of what I was thinking too. That's still but that like... makes me. I must assume they only lived in a one-story house. They uh, they lived in like a real up-and-coming neighborhood. We'll call yeah. it. It was being like torn down and rebuilt, and so there was just like ten. Well, here's the thing: slum. they either lived in a one-story house and she dropped her out the window, or they lived in a two-story house. In which case, the mom did a nice thing by not bringing her upstairs first. That's <laughs> you're gonna drop her that. out of the window. So is she know? the worst mom or a thoughtful mom? You know, <laughs> she's getting some points. <laughs> she's coming back up. She's a something. The mom though even like gave her away to like a mentally ill woman who was like emigrating to Australia. Jeez, it's like one mentally ill woman to another. <laughs> to another, and the older sister had to go like get her back. Oh, there's like, another. There's another kid. She has a sister. There is. There's a few kids. They only talk about her older sister. Though. Oh, okay. So, woof. Yikes, what a terrible childhood. I feel so bad. I know. Well, it gets worse. As so the mom as a prostitute, of course it does, specialized in sadomasochism play. Okay, she's a little dominatrix. Yes, she is a dominatrix. And not to kink shame anyone, but she began allowing and encouraging several of her clients to sexually abuse her daughter in their S&M sessions. We can kink shame that. That is... (laughs) That is a kink we can shame. Can we? Openly. That's not, that is a, great. Yeah. Yes. What do you mean, Stacy? <laughs> that I'm is an unacceptable sure. kink. <laughs> We're just making sure. Yeah. We're just making sure. I don't know There's the rules. Little, I'm just the asking. The poor little girl. That's yeah. really horrible. That's horrible. So, okay. shocking no one, Mary began exhibiting signs of disturbed and unpredictable behavior, such as mood swings and chronic bedwetting. She would get in fights with other children. She attempted to strangle and suffocate her classmates on several occasions. Jeez. Right? And um, one of the case experts has said that this is possibly because she would have seen choke play in the S&M sessions. Maybe. That isn't, you know, but they think that that could possibly be where she got the idea. theory. Ultimately, she just really kind of became violent and her classmates learned the signs that preempted her violent outbursts, which would include like shaking her head and just having like a really steely glare. And then they were like, we knew we had to get out of there. And whoever she was like glaring at was about to get attacked. Dang. Yee. So she began spending a lot of her free time with 
Norma Bell, no relation, who lived next door to her and was a couple of years older. Uh, so many bells. Well, so a- many bells. Do you think they're related to the Bay Bell family? Love that. Yes, I think these are the cheese heiresses. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is there? Any, do they have any other last names in this town? <laughs> I don't know. Everybody's a bell around. <laughs> yeah, everyone. Where is this town in Kentucky? In Northumberland. I don't know where What's that, that is. In England. Oh. Oh. Yes. And what years are we in now? Children. We're in like the 50s? Yeah. So she was born in 57. We are now oh, okay, so entering now 1968. Hmm. May 11th, okay. oh, Almost her birthday. Correct. Almost her birthday. <laughs> so now she's 11, I guess. About. 10. She's 10. Okay. A three-year-old boy was found wandering, and he was, like, confused. He was had a huge, like, laceration on his head, and he was bleeding. And Mary and Norma said that they had found him out in the woods and that he had fallen. He was Mary's cousin. Mm-hmm. And he told the police that he had been pushed from the top of like a disused air raid shelter. Mm -hmm. And it was like seven feet high, but he wasn't sure which one had pushed him. And they were like, we absolutely did not push him. He is confused. We found him on the ground bleeding. We're heroes. We have brought him to you for help. That same night, parents of three small girls called the police to complain that Mary and Norma had tried to strangle their kids while playing out in like a sand pit. Mm. Mary was like, I wasn't involved in any of this shit. And Norma was like, (laughs) we saved the boy. But Mary, I just like to picture Mary actually saying that I wasn't involved in any of this shit. This little ten-year-old girl. I wasn't girl. involved in any of this shit. <laughs> and Norma was like, Mary definitely was like strangled these girls. Mary went up to the girls and said, "What happens if you choke someone? Do they die?" And then Mary choked her, and the girl started to go purple. Oh my god! And then Norma was like, "I told Mary to stop, but she just wouldn't." And then she put her hands around Pauline's throat and she started going purple as well. And then the other girl, Susan, came up and Mary did the same thing to her. First of all, ladies, are we lining up to be throttled? Like <laughs> That's true. I was just like, one after another? Yeah. Yeah. What's happening? <laughs> yeah. And they're like letting her do this long enough to let these kids turn purple. And they're all just like watching. And then they're like, okay, me next. Like what's happening? It's like Mary had a little problem (laughs) um, (laughs) with choking other kids. (laughs) And that worked out surprisingly well. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Um, But because of their ages, they were just like given warnings. And we're like, okay, right. cool, cool, okay. cool. Don't do that again, even though you just did it three okay. times in a row. Yeah, plus the small boy <laughs> plus the got kid attacked. you found in the woods. Yeah, good Must God. Must be coincidence. So, a few oh, weeks yeah. later, the day before her 11th birthday, Mary strangled a four-year-old boy named Martin. Three children found him with just like a few specks of blood and like foam around his mouth. There was an empty pill bottle nearby. There was no signs of violence. A workman had come and like attempted CPR, but I mean, he was long gone. But while that was happening, Mary and Norma popped in and they were like, hey, what's up? And he was like, go away, go get help. And so then they went to Martin's aunt's house to tell her that, and this is a quote because they they use language uh one of your sister's bairns has just had an accident we think it's martin but we can't tell because there's blood all over him so they like went to go spread the news um, What's a bairn a bairn is like a small child it's and from what i know it's scottish yeah. for like okay. all right a baby oh we bairn yeah so i thought it was funny though that i'm like oh cute <laughs> i mean not cute but like cute mm-hmm. so the coroner ultimately can't tell what happened. There's like no strangulation marks. Did he overdose? We don't know. They really kind of chalked it up to an accident, ultimately, Aye. in the beginning. The next day, Mary and Norma broke into a nursery and vandalized it. They just completely trashed the place and they like wrote on the walls and there were handwritten notes about murder and like really bad language. But one of the notes said, I murder so that I may come back. And another one said, we did murder Martin Brown. Fuck off, you bastard. And then the other two have slurs for gay men in it. So I'm not going to. Yes. I can say it. (laughs) (laughs) Can you say it with gay affect? I mean, I can. I'm allowed. We have carp watch for that. (laughs) Well, I'll just read it real quick. 
Ooh, I'm gonna say the word, okay? Trigger warning. Okay. Trigger warning. Fuck off. We murder. Watch out, Fanny and faggot. You are mice. Uh, and because we this murdered This is the Martin... spellings. Oh, it's, it's spelled all crazy. crazy. Okay. Because we murdered Martin Go Brown, you better look out there. Our murder's about by Fanny and odd faggot you screws. <laughs> What's a fanny? Is it, like, are they trying to say ass? Your f- well, I think no. Fanny in England is vagina. Or your front is your Fanny. Fa- it's your badge. Your front uh, Fanny. Your front butt. It's yeah. your gyne. Your criminal gyne. <gasps> yes! <laughs> It comes full circle, that's the episode. <laughs> oh my gosh, you put your, you did this and then it, it like, put, did anyone else see that? I saw that. No. It was like a little bubble with a thumbs up in it. I wonder if ah. it'll be in the episode. Does it do it again? Does it do it again? What is that? I, I don't know. It. What else Why can does I do? Why did I not do it? <laughs> now we're just, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I'm trying to oh, maybe, it's like you're on, signals. maybe it's because you're on your phone. It's the new oh. update. Maybe. What else can you do? I'm just trying to think of hand signals. Yeah. Heart? Try I'm heart? I'm really stressed how to get that poop emoji up. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Please don't poop, Stacey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Back to... Oh, you did hearts! Did you see oh, it? I did. I did no. see it. Yes, do it again. <laughs> do it again. Oh, I see! <gasps> <laughs> Technology. We are the most boomer people. (laughs) That was cute, though. Oh my gosh! Okay, fun. Yeah, that is. And that's the episode, guys. Thanks for coming on. Um, (laughs) Okay, we're laughing too much. Children are dying. Let's please take this seriously. Back to it. Back to it. Children killing children. I mean, honestly, refreshing from like creepy men killing children honestly yeah okay so martin's funeral the girls called his mom on the phone to ask to see him and the mom was like you can't he's dead yeah mary was like oh i know he's dead i wanted to see him in his coffin and she was Uh like lol no (laughs) and she literally just like chalked it up to kids being like curious kind of a thing like Mm. what a time yeah i mean which you know i get because kids are curious but you know also like this girl i mean she's got some suspicions stacking up against her yeah this girl's sus yeah so on july 31st 1968 this is all happening very quickly now a three-year-old brian howe went missing he had been playing with one of his siblings their dog and mary and norma recipe for disaster damn he was discovered very late that night and the first cop on the scene noted that someone had tried to kind of cover him up with like weeds and grass, but not well at all. His lips had already turned blue. He, there were several bruises and scratches uh, around his neck. There was a pair of broken scissors laying at his feet. His body had been mutilated in kind of an experimental way. The coroner concluded that the cause of death was strangulation. He had been stabbed. His hair had been cut. And there was like kind of a crude M carved into his stomach. Yeah. And based on just kind of the small amount of force that was obviously used to kill him, the coroner concluded that the killer must also be a child. Dang. And they had found gray and maroon fibers on the body. Mm -hmm. So this had quite a bit more evidence than the first killing. Mm -hmm. And it launched a very large-scale man hunt. Isn't it crazy to think that, like how far we've come and advanced in like forensics to think that a tiny fiber from a piece of clothing could put you away. Like it's crazy to think how far advanced we are. Anyways, keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So over the next two days, a hundred detectives would be assigned to the case and more than 1200 children were questioned. Yeah. (laughs) This, it just, (laughs) resources really really hoping a surprised emoji would pop up (laughs) that's a lot though and i'm just kind of like nobody was like hmm i wonder if it's this chick mary who keeps being around all these murders and there is the letter m carved on this boy's (laughs) chest but let's interview 1200 kids 
Right. But also, but also <laughs> fine. <laughs> a lot of kids were like, but this one is violent. Like this one's like, have mean. you, you know, Mary, the one that we one? all know her telltale signs of when she's going to get violent. Oh. And they're like, <laughs> this one. we're not sure. They're like, we'll get to her. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. So they questioned Mary and Norma on the first day and they were both just like very evasive and contradictory in their stories, but ultimately both did admit to having played with Brian on the day of his death, but they were both like, but we didn't see him after lunch. So who knows? Mary Mm -hmm. then tried to like throw suspicion onto this other like eight year old boy saying that she had seen him playing with Brian and that he had been hitting him. And she went on to say that this eight year old was covered in grass and weeds like he had been rolling through a field and that he had been carrying a pair of broken scissors trying to cut off a cat's tail. And they questioned the boy, but he had like an alibi. He was like out of town with his parents. He's like, literally what? <laughs> yeah, he was like, was not like, here. I don't, I don't know. Could not have been about. involved. And then Mary's and over so, in the corner like, fuck. Yeah. And so the detectives are like, we're the only people who know about the scissors being found. So we think it's away. this bitch. Yeah. Dang. So then they like go back to talk to her and she's very defensive and every time they ask a question this like 11 year old is like no comment no comment like ma'am what so then on august 4th so this will be three days after the first time that they talked to her norma's parents brought norma back in to tell the police what she knew about brian's murder and she Mm. told them that mary had brought her to see brian's body and showed her how she strangled him And she said that Mary had confessed to her that she liked strangling people and how she had made the M mark on his stomach with a razor blade that she had hidden at the scene. And then she took cops to show where it was hidden. So she was like definitely there without a doubt. She would then later give another statement admitting that she was present with Mary when she strangled Brian and said that Mary seemed to quote unquote go all funny then pushed Brian into the grass and began strangling him before saying, my hands are getting thick, take over. At which point, I guess then Norma started strangling him. I th- she tried to say that like, oh, I ran away at that point, And when I came back, he was dead. Mm-hmm. But they examined clothing from both of the girls and they found that the maroon fibers matched a skirt that Norma had and the gray fibers matched a dress owned by Mary. And... Mm. The gray fibers were also found on the first body, Martin Mm. Brown. So now Mary's been connected to both. Wow. Well, good. So while all this is happening, Brian's getting buried on August 7th, 1968. And as they're bringing his little coffin from the home, Mary is just like standing on the corner watching and laughing. And the cop was (sighs) like, oh, we need to arrest her immediately. Like we can't wait for a plan on how to deal with kids. Yeah. Mm. Like she's just like yucking it up yeah she can't be around no it's like let's get them off the streets she's gonna do this again both of the girls were charged with murder for brian and mary prepared a written statement admitting that she was there but insisted the murder was carried out by norma Dang, and she had also, turning on your friends. Yeah, they're just like pointing Dang. fingers at each other. But Mary had also admitted to the nursery vandalism. So they've now been able mm-hmm. to tie them to that. Both girls underwent psychological evaluations, finally. And they found that Norma was intellectually delayed. And she was a mm. submissive character who easily displayed emotion. So although she was older than Mary, not mentally. Mm. Right. Yeah. So Mary is the more conniving one. Yes. They found that Mary was bright and cunning, prone to mood swings. The four psychiatrists who examined Mary determined that she suffered from a psychopathic personality disorder. Dang. So that's fun. Man. Yikes. I mean, it's horrible. It's, It's like, it's so horrible, but it's almost kind of like, well, I can understand after hearing about her upbringing and how horrible that was. You know what I mean? How old was she when she was diagnosed at this point? 11. 11. Yeah. Mm. Both girls pled not guilty in court. And during each of their testimony, they just placed blame on the other one. It was all the other one's fault. Yeah. And then Norma's mom testified that several months prior to the murder of Brian Howe, she and her husband had discovered Mary trying to strangle Norma's younger sister. And it wasn't until the husband punched Mary that she finally let go oh of their God. toddler. 
And they still <laughs> let them hang out? Yes. Norm is also one of 11. So maybe they thought they could like, Oh, they had spares. Maybe. I don't know. Like, dang, it's wild. The trial lasted for nine days. The jury deliberated for three hours and 25 minutes. Mary Bell was cleared of murder, but was convicted of manslaughter for both of the boys on the grounds of diminished responsibility. Basically saying she's kind of too young Uh to really be charged with murder. I guess, but also... I know. know. She liked it, though. I don't know. Norma Bell was acquitted of all charges. Okay. They were just like, this was a Mary problem. Yeah, it does sound a little bit like Norma. (laughs) Wrong place, wrong time. Although, like, Norma, you should have, like, done something. But whatever, she's a kid. Mm -hmm. So, Mary was sentenced to be detained at Her Majesty's Pleasure. And I was like, what is that? What does that mean? (laughs) It's a legal term. Uh, and it can be his majesty's pleasure, you know, obviously now with Charles uh, on the throne. Oh, yeah. It's a legal term, right? We all tried to. <laughs> it's a legal term referring to the indeterminate uh, length of a s- of service of certain appointed officials or the indeterminate sentences of some prisoners. So it's like okay. as long as they want you to be serving your post or in prison, that's where you're. So it's just kind of like, be. we're not going to pick a number. We're going to put you in there until we don't want to have you in there anymore. Correct. Okay. At the time of her conviction, she was 11 years and six months old, making her Britain's youngest female killer, a title which she still holds to this day. Wow. Damn. Yeah. So what happened with her in the long run? So... Are we getting to that? Sorry. (laughs) She was moved from prison to prison. At one point, she escaped with a friend. Oh! They were like, bye, yeah. But then they were returned to custody and they were like, okay, we need to prepare her to rejoin society. And okay. so they taught her like how to be a secretary, how to like to do some jobs. Sexist. I mean, <laughs> secretary, also, okay. strangle, yeah. you know, sure. let's not give her sharp objects, you know. <laughs> exactly. We already know she's not to be trusted with Good a with pair scissors. of scissors. Exactly. Yeah, no, no seamstressing, no cooking, yeah. nothing yeah. around. No, no. So in 1980, at 23 years old, she was finally released from custody. Okay. Yeah, she was given an assumed identity so that she could try and go live a normal life. And okay. the courts ordered anonymity. So basically like witness protection, where she goes okay. and she's a different person and she gets to like redo uh-huh. Uh, in 1984, she gave birth to a daughter, and the oh, no. anonymity was um, broken. No, it was passed on to the daughter as oh, well, and they cool. ruled that it should be lifelong because usually it's only until like 18. So basically, no one can like go and look for her. They were found once, and there was like a media frenzy, and they had to relocate them and give them a different identity, identity. again. Oh, so people are were trying to like continue when they were found. Her. The one time, where were they? They were at a in... Starbucks. Mm-hmm. I'm just they kidding. Were at Hopefully, that'd be the best case scenario. <laughs> she was <laughs> yeah. actually. Let me go see where she was. Yeah, she was. Maybe it's not that important. I'm just curious. Well, yeah, let's find out. And she's written a book. <laughs> I'm trying to make more pop up, but they're off there for you. Did that one? Ah, balloons. Balloons. <laughs> this is That's so cool. fun. What else can you do? I don't know. So she was in a resort <laughs> town on the Sussex coast when she had been found. And she'd been there for about okay. 18 months. Mm. Okay. Oh, wait, no. She'd been living there for 18 months. And it forced Mary and her 14-year-old daughter to leave their house and go to a safe house with undercover officers. And then they were relocated to another part of the UK. Okay. And this was in the 80s. Do we know where she's at yes. today? Or like, no. I guess we don't know exactly where she's at, but... Her whereabouts are unknown and remain protected. She has worked with, I believe, a journalist to write a book about her experience. So there is a book that you can read. Interesting. She does not claim to be wrongly convicted at all. Uh, she's okay. not one of those people who was like, I was innocent. She says that the abuse she suffered as a child should not excuse her crimes. Okay. Sounds so like she's it made does, some progress. It does seem Mary. like she has rehabilitated yeah. and has learned to work with her psychopathy. And that her daughter is safe. No yeah, I mean, you know, she is clever. It's true. But, but hopefully she's being honest. And as long as, I guess, there's been no more mm. murders around her that we know about, that's good. 
I wonder yeah. how her kid is. Yeah, do you I think know. her kid has ever found out? Could you imagine, like, y- Veronica? So she found if- out when she was 14, when they had to relocate. That's how oh. her kid found out. Could you Damn. imagine, like, your mom coming in and being like, hey, we got to go. And you're like, my whole world is turned upside down because I just yeah. found out my mom was a crazy murderer. I know. Also, at that age of 14, you're already, like, at odds with your mom. I would, I yeah. think, at least from my yeah. experience. And so imagine being like, mom, I'm going out with my friends. And it's like, no, you're not. You have to do your homework. And you're like, you killed little boys. And she's like, okay, okay, go out with your friends. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk about this later. <laughs> All right, fine. I, if I was that Be mom safe. and she was, she was like, you killed little boys. And be like, and I can kill little girls too. Try me. Ooh, go to your exactly. homework. Exactly. <laughs> Right? <laughs> She's like, I pressed nine one. Don't make me push one. I'll do it. Um Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That's so good. Wow. Well, I mean, yeah. I was just curious about like how her daughter got raised and if she turned out to be okay, if she turned out to be a good mom, you know what I mean? I'm curious about those things. But I mean it know. seems it because I would think that if like there was any more criminal action, it probably would have yeah opened all of her shit and like yeah yeah that's true you know like the anonymity is contingent on you don't kill people yeah right so i think that would yeah well you know that's a horrible story and i feel so sad for you know the little boys that she killed but you know i'm happy to hear that she was like rehabilitated at least and seems to be living a moderately okay life as an adult right it makes me wonder too like what their rehabilitation program was like because like obviously if it was successful in that sense like i would think that you would want to share it yeah i think we do this kind of stuff a lot for prisoners right they like get a lot of therapy they have a lot of us well, yeah, yeah but not, well, actually, yeah, also, but, yeah. yes, I, I do think that there's a lot of people who come out of prison who, like, really change their viewpoints, and I think the whole experience of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You know, but mostly I don't know about murderers. Yeah, but mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it, she was, like, passed from, like, wayward home to wayward home. Very few prisons were really involved oh, okay. because of her age. Oh, yeah. I see. So I think that helped. Like yeah. being surrounded by your peers and stuff. Yeah, and like teachers and counselors as opposed to hardened criminals. I mean, yeah. she escaped and they were like, come on back. And it didn't like add time. Well, there was no number. So. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it was like, oh, she's a teenager and rebelling. Because I think it was when she was like 16. Mm-hmm. She like made a run for it with her friend. Fair. Wow. I've done this. I've definitely done that. Before. Yeah. But they like went out and like picked up a couple guys and like went out on the town. So they like went out on a date and then they came back. Well, they were found and brought back the next day. Okay. So yeah. it's not like they went out and did bad shit. More somebody's. crime. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. More strangling. <laughs> Dang. So wow. That's Mary Bell, the infamous oh, Mary Bell. Mary Bell. Through Mary and Bell. that was related to the episode because of Little Kid Killers? Little Kid Killers. Little Kid Killers. <laughs> you know. Yeah. As you do. Dang. Also, she didn't like creamed spinach, I'm assuming. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> That's like At first the I believed you for a second. I was like, how did you know? Oh my, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, she wrote that on the wall. We just didn't read that line. Yeah. I love cream like, spinach. I was spinach. so sad when our the local Boston market went out of business here. I was just going to say Boston market spinach. was like the only one I liked. <laughs> exactly. And it's no longer here in Reno. And I'm so sad because I like their cream spinach. Does it exist anywhere anymore? Boston market? I don't know. Because they also had the best like can- like sweet potatoes, candied yams, whatever. Um, yeah. Really yeah. Yeah. Or sponsor us. If or you're sponsor not, us. Right. Sponsored by Boston Market. Oh Get your cream spinach. <laughs> Perfect. I love that. I really yeah. do love my cream gosh. spinach. You're not going to throw our cream spinach away in the garbage wrapped in duct tape. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> you're having too much fun. Veronica, I don't think you saw this one. <gasps> Balloons. <laughs> <laughs> what? I know. I'm trying to. This I can't think of what fun. else you can even do. Pray, pray hands. No. No. Oh. What about like exciting? Anyway. Yeah. Ah. 
No. Well, now we just look like a bunch of nerds. <laughs> um, do you have anything for the end of the year, or do you just want to plug yourself? <sighs> I mean, I'm doing a handful of shows around town, but Ooh. <laughs> well, you just had that great spread in Bear Weekly, or yeah, I was Gaze of LA. Got, what was it? <laughs> I got uh, I got featured and interviewed for Bear World Magazine, so you can check that out. Very, it was, actually it was a, a very interview. cute spread. Yeah. And I, I just have some shows love coming up. that. It was cool. It was very cute. Yeah. You can find it on my Instagram at Joseph Schles, link in bio. And yeah, I think next year, me and my friend Erica Dawson, who's another great comedian, uh, are going to start producing a show in San Diego. Oh, wow. Um, it's going to be featuring, obviously, like, you know, queer and women comedians. And it's going to be called Masculine Straight Men. <laughs> Um, Amazing. We just thought that was funny, and uh, <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. Yeah, follow me. Follow me online. It really helps. Comment on my stuff. You know, I get all of these guys because sometimes I'll post like racy pictures. You know, I'm trying yes. to be like sexy out there. I do know some little traps for all the bear thirst traps. Yeah, bears and bear lovers. And I'll post these things, and then I get all these DMs from guys, and I'm like, thank you for the DMs, but could you comment this publicly? I need people to see that I'm cool. <laughs> no, they can't, because these are closeted men coming at you. Maybe so, but I'm like, can't. I'm going to stop responding oh to DMs. I'm going to be like, only DM me after you've commented publicly on one of my posts. But anyway. Yes. <laughs> Screenshot it, and that's how you can slide into a DM. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, oh I don't know. Find me online and check out my Bear World magazine and, you know. Oh, I love it. We'll see what's yeah, coming I love up. It. Happy holidays, everybody. Awesome. Yes, yeah. happy holidays. We're so close. Um, I'm close. sure in the middle of Hanukkah or something. Um, Please don't okay, get well, murdered. Don't get murdered. Don't be around Truly. kids. You know, I think that's <laughs> yeah, 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 yet another, yet another example of why not to have kids. Yes, <laughs> okay. don't. My God, <laughs> so rarely turns out good for anybody. <laughs> uh, like, subscribe, download, or whatever the kids are saying, and join us next week for another episode of Criminal Giants. I think. Oh, oh my god! Oh, <laughs> Stay ever.